What's good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. She is Michelle Majik. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. I learned that people don't like it when I say that. But you know what? It is who I am, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm sorry. Uh, But, you know, life is crazy right now in the NFL. And luckily for the 49ers, this game seems to be pretty set. We know who's going to be in and out. Took forever to get the player props up. Come on, DraftKings, hurry it up. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, besides all the craziness with the NFL, I feel like everything's steady for the rest of the teams besides those six. So, you know, got a fun week of football ahead of us. Hey, 49ers Falcons is one of the only games that doesn't seem to have any COVID issues, at least as we record this on Friday evening. Uh, You mentioned you got a little feedback, so let's get to that. We always ask you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. So, Quinn Rasmussen, five-star review, thank you. Subject, the best Niners podcast. Niners Nation is easily the best podcast for Niners fans. It's got daily content and different points of view every single day. The Oh Hey There and Shannon Plan pods are a nice start to the week. On Thursday, I always look forward to the gold standard with Robin Levin. It's by far the funniest and most interesting show. Levin is my favorite host. I don't know if this person was drinking or not, but whatever. (laughs) On Friday, the fantasy show Gold Diggers is fun with a non-Niners fan point of view from Michelle M. Sorry, I'm a bad speller. After games, I like the instant reacts. I have three gripes with the networks. One, I would like an episode on Mondays. We're working on that. Two, it really annoys me when Michelle says, hey, (laughs) hey. Three, get more people to do the instant reacts. What's wrong with the hey? I like the hey, hey. I don't know. It just, guys, sometimes I'm awkward. And, you know, (laughs) hey, hey just makes me feel better. Start it off. I like it. I like that you came in with the confidence the first time we did this show to do the hey, hey, and you've stuck with it, and it's wonderful. Uh, The next review comes from D. Pareo, five stars. Subject, Stats and Michelle, bring the fire. I've loved listening to all the Niners Nation podcasts. I truly enjoy Rob's fat voice. Yes, people seem to enjoy (laughs) that somebody said I once had a fat voice, and now everybody reminds me of it. In all seriousness, I like mushrooms, so stats grew on me like a fast fungus. It's the second time I've been referred to as a fungus. He and Michelle do a great job breaking down the team and giving honest and well-thought-out takes. Rob's passion for the team is like mine. I often find that when I'm thinking or thought about the team, Rob says what I'm thinking. Michelle gives a great outsider's take on the team, and she uses statistics in a smart and clear way. Keep up the good work. Go Niners. So there's two more happy customers. We are so close to 100 five-star reviews. So if if you could help us out with that, if we get to 100 five-star reviews, I need to do something, some sort of giveaway or some sort of ridiculous, stupid dance. I haven't decided what, Michelle, but I need to do something to thank everyone for all the good reviews. I like the dance. There's some good TikTok ones right now that we can make you do. The one where you have to skip backwards. I don't even know. I'm not hip enough to know the names of these uh, dances, but we can find a good one. I can barely skip forwards, but uh, if you've got a <laughs> suggestion on what you want to see me do, you can hit me up on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Michelle is at Ball Blastum, uh, or you could leave a review. Leave it in your review. That'd be even better because that will accomplish both things. You can embarrass me in the process. All right. We have reached week 15. Niners Falcons on Sunday. Lot, Niners injury reports getting a little long, Michelle. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous here. Aziz Alshire is probably not going to play. Mo Hurst, Elijah Mitchell, 
Kyle Posey's trying to reassure me earlier in the day that the Falcons are terrible and that the Niners don't have to worry. What do you think? The Falcons really are terrible. I don't even know <laughs> how they're still in playoff contention. The fact that if the Falcons beat the 49ers, that they would then jump the 49ers uh, in that playoff race is wild to me. Because when you look at the two teams, I don't think they even compare. I'm not saying this is going to be an easy game for the 49ers to win because we know where that secondary is at right now. Like, can we talk about the Bengals game really quick? I know I'm the Friday show, so I don't really get to talk about the previous game. Go I ahead. have such a gripe about that game. And it's about coaching. And I want to put it out there. I do not think I would be a good NFL coach in any way. <laughs> I, I do not think I would win many games. I'm not confident in my skill set. That's not the point of this. But I feel like the simplest of things coaches cannot get right. When watching that game, the Bengals could throw all over the field. I mean, no one was even close to them. The only time they stopped them is when Nick Bosa created havoc and made Joe Burrow like cry in a little ball. <laughs> That's like the pressure. Yes, I get it. But anytime they threw and they had a second to get the ball out, guys were wide open. Everyone went off. But they kept trying to make it a thing with Joe, Joe Mixon. And yeah. like, did you not watch game film before heading up or look at the stats to be like, oh, well, the 49ers are actually really good against the run as of late, but their entire secondary is destroyed. Let's throw. And they just kept trying to make Joe Mixon a thing. And then the fumbles really helped out. Listen, I'm so happy they're stupid because I was rooting <laughs> for the 49ers and I hate the Bengals. But then going into overtime, giving the ball to Joe Mixon as many times as you did, you deserve to lose. And I don't get there's so much that goes into coaching, and I know that, but the most simple of things, they just, how is it that hard? Like, how can we see it and they can't? It's Zach Taylor did kind of say that he regrets some of his play calling choices. Uh, I'll say this. Every time they gave the ball to Joe Mixon, I was like, oh, I exhaled. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just was happy. Like, that's a win for the 49ers. That's uh, so bad. That's yeah, he had one run, really, the whole game. After that, yeah. he did nothing the rest of the game. You had the Joe Mixon under as one of your props last week. You crushed it, so congratulations. And the other thing I want to say is you would be a much better head coach than Urban Meyer. So, And he only has two more wins than you, so any don't sell yourself person, short. Any living person, even if you've never watched football before, would be a much better coach than Urban Meyer. Garbage human. And I'm, <laughs> the only thing I'm sad about is that I won't get to see him lose anymore. Okay, that's my Urban Meyer rant. Uh, no, but you're right about that. I think what you saw from D'Amico Ryans was he tried to set up the whole defense to try and protect that secondary. Yeah. Um, and I think that luckily Bosa was a monster and he did create some havoc that helped out. And I think they're going to have to do the same thing against Atlanta. Uh, luckily, Matt Ryan is a hell of a lot less mobile than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can move around a little bit back there more than I realized. Matt Ryan cannot. So this is like the perfect kind of quarterback for the 49ers defense. I will say he could not, but Joe Burrow is not the best under pressure. You know, he kind of, he's young still. Matt Ryan has the third highest completion percentage among quarterbacks this year under pressure, ninth highest passer rating. You know, he's not dying back there under pressure. He's been pretty good. So that's the only thing you can worry about with the Falcons. I'm really, I don't think they're a good team. And poor Matt Ryan. I mean, he really has no one to throw to because I'm going to bring up a guy that I like his over today. It's Russell Gage. We can talk about the actual stats in a little bit, but like, that's his main guy. And you have Kyle <laughs> Pitts, who's a rookie tight end. It's just like, 
I feel bad for him. If they've made Cordero Patterson now like some superstar, but come on, he wasn't anything on any other team. And this is the guy you have to build your offense around. Like that's pretty brutal. So now the Falcons aren't good. They have the third worst strength of victory in the NFL. They've beaten like nobody. They've beaten the Dolphins. They've beaten the Saints. Like, no, I, I'm not worried about them. Yeah, the uh, that's the thing with the Falcons is they have close wins over bad teams and they have blowout losses to good teams. Like they have some ugly, ugly losses on the schedule. So even though their record is what it is, you look at their when you dive into it a little, I think that's why people are so down on them when they look at the actual results of the games and say, well, you know what? This team uh, is not very good. You know, I thought that people had way too high of expectations on Kyle Pitts, like unfairly high. His over under for the season, I think, was like 700 yards, which would have been or maybe it was 800. It would have been one of the best rookie seasons by any tight end in history. Well, he's going to hit it. Yeah, he's at seven. He already has over 700. Uh, He's going to be right there with one of the highest in history if he doesn't surpass it. Uh, And it's been a, a quote unquote disappointing season for him but it's just touchdown. because it's the one touchdown people picked him early in fantasy that's why if if fantasy wasn't a thing he wouldn't be disappointing it's just people picked him way too high in fantasy football and that one touchdown's killing him he has two monster games and they happen to come in back-to-back weeks uh he had nine catches for 119 against the jets and seven catches for 163 against miami he's really hasn't done a ton up until that point. I mean, I just I thought the expectations were him on him were unfair. I've heard people say that going from college tight end to pro tight end is one of the hardest transitions you can make as a rookie. So I, I wanted to kind of defend him a little bit. Uh, I didn't realize his yards were as high as they were. Um, I mean, yeah, he has the third most receiving yards among all tight ends this year. So he is having a pretty solid season for a tight end and especially for a rookie tight end. It just all comes down to those touchdowns and yeah, a lot of the yards had come in two games, but I mean, he has three 60 yard games in the last six games. It's not, it's not terrible for him. I'm spoiled by George Kittle. I'm spoiled yeah, by give me the nine catches for 151 yards. And, and it's not just nine catches, by the way, it's nine catches where he makes somebody miss. Then he trucks somebody runs for another five yard. Like they're, they're damn exciting. So catches too. They're so much fun. Do you want to know a fun stat? Always for George Kittle, most games with 150 plus receiving yards in in your career, just among tight ends in NFL history. It's Shannon Sharp, Hall of Famer, at six games, and then you got George Kittle next up at four games, um, and then he's tied with another Hall of Famer, Kellen Winslow, senior at four games. But those are the top three guys. Amazing company, and George Kittle still so young, so early in his career. He's just, he's doing it. He's doing the dang thing. I'm a little nervous. John Lynch went on the radio on KMBR and he talked about Kittle's calf injury, which by the way, everyone said calf injury, calf injury, calf injury. John Lynch went on the radio and said earlier this year, George tweaked his Achilles. That's Uh terrifying to me. Now they did give him a bunch of time off. They put him on IR. Plus there was a bye week in there, but I There's only one Achilles injury I know of, Michelle, and that's a torn Achilles, and that's a devastating injury. Obviously, he doesn't have a torn Achilles because he's still playing, but anytime I hear that there was a tweak in that area, I'm nervous. I feel like it could go at any time. 
Yeah, they might want to be a little bit more careful with him. They are targeting him like crazy, while Debo, for some reason, is not being... Like, they they can't just find a middle ground with Debo Samuel. It's like they overutilize him to the nth degree, or they just don't use, use him at all. And then they're kind of doing the same thing with Kittle. It's like he either gets 12 targets or he gets one. It's like, can we find a middle <laughs> ground here, please, where they everyone on the team can get six to eight targets and, like, defenses can be confused and they don't know what to do? Like, let's find a middle ground. Well, I think part of that is the quarterback, to be honest with you. I think they're kind of like, look, let's just find one thing he can do in this game and just tell him to keep doing that over and over again until they (laughs) can stop it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some of our props. We needed to bounce back last week. We did in a big way. So you've got some props that you like. I've got some as well. So we'll do those when we come back. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, before we get into the props, Michelle, the spread on this game as we record is nine points. I said on the SB Nation NFL show, I think the Niners will win. I don't know that they'll cover. So I actually took the Falcons and the points. Yeah, that's a lot of points. But like we, I mean, the Falcons have lost by that many points many times. It's like they either (laughs) get blown out or they win. There is no like, oh, we're close in this game. Um, So I don't know. If I had to bet, like I don't want to touch it. If I had to bet, I'd bet the 49ers to cover. Shameless self-promotion here. I talked to Jerry Rice this week, and I'm going to keep saying that Woo-hoo. because that he was the guy for me. Like, this is that was an all-time good day. But when I talked to him about this game, his point was kind of the same thing as mine, is if you're the 49ers, get a lead early and then squeeze. Like, press until it hurts. Keep scoring. Keep adding points. Don't take your foot off the gas. Don't give them any reason to believe at all that they can stay in this game because I feel like the longer it's close, the longer Atlanta starts to believe that they can win. And that's when trouble happens. Yeah. I mean, you definitely need to get the thing with the Falcons is that they have had a turnover. They've created a turnover in nine straight games. So Jimmy Garoppolo has to be safe with the ball. Don't let them into it early. Like if there's an early turnover and they let the Falcons actually think they're in this thing. But as soon as, like the 49ers get a lead and they could just bring Nick Bosa to just like destroy Matt Ryan consistently and, you know, get them behind. Then I think they'll be fine. It's just don't do anything stupid. Like you saw last week, the Bengals lost that game by being stupid by their punt returner fumbling twice. Like they're probably don't lose that game without their, those mistakes. That's the way that the 49ers could lose this game. But as long as they're smart and they don't do you know, have stupid errors like that, then they'll be fine. And I think they cover pretty easily. Like looking at the Falcons, they've lost one, two, three, four, five games by more than nine points, by significantly Oof. more than nine points. So I, I feel safe here. With it's a it's a large margin. Like I wish it wasn't that high of a gap, but I feel safe taking the 49ers to cover. I get nervous because the Falcons have given the Niners trouble. This quarterback specifically has given this roster, frankly, a better roster in 2019 trouble. They won the game and it's at home. And for some reason, the 49ers just cannot seem to get their stuff together at home. I don't know why, especially this season. They're much better on the road. And I just don't have faith in this team to not do stupid things. For example, the Falcons are also better on the road, which is weird. There you go. Five and two on the road. Never kick the ball to Cordero Patterson. I don't care if they kick it out of bounds. 
Do not kick the ball to Cordero Pet. When you're playing a team that you think is worse than you, special teams can swing these kind of games because big plays can happen and then they start to believe like we were talking about. And the 49ers kick return unit is awful. Mitch Wisnowski has not been good the past two weeks. I don't care what David Lombardi tweets on Twitter. He's not been good. I can see the games. I know how long his punch traveled. He's not been good. And the fact that the Bengals dropped two of them doesn't bail him out, and I don't want to hear how he did these stupid knuckleball or banana punt. Those aren't a thing, okay? He got lucky. That's all it was. Do not kick the ball to Cordero Patterson and Richard Hightower. I swear to God, if you get beat by another fake punt, I'm going to drive to San Francisco, <laughs> and we're going to have words. Lordy. I Yeah, tell us how you really feel there. I'm sorry. It's it's late. On it's, a it's bad, though, when you're watching a punter and they're like bad at punting. The Steelers have had to deal with that for a while now. Jordan Berry. Like if you've never had Jordan Berry on your team, I don't want to hear you speak about bad punters. Like I really don't. I don't feel bad for you. But our punter this year is not any better. So with really Mitch Wisnowski has had multiple punts of less than 30 yards in back to back week. Like he's he's all you see him punted and he turns away because he knows it's like when you hit a bad golf shot and you're like whack. <laughs> Oh, no. Like, that's exactly how some of his punts have gone. And it's not like, oh, well, they're really close. You know, they're at midfield. So he's trying to he doesn't have enough room. To, no, he's got plenty of room and he still mucks it up. I, no. So special teams, you better be on it this week. OK, prop bets. Last week, we needed a bounce back. We had a couple rough weeks, but we were two out of three last week. You had T Higgins over his receiving yardage total, which I don't remember what it was, but he crushed it especially at the end of the game, they kept going him over the middle. They finally figured out like throwing the ball was a good idea. And you yeah. had Joe Mixon under because you are a noted notorious Joe Mixon hater. It worked to your <laughs> advantage. You took the, un I think that's the only under I've ever seen you take on this show and you nailed it. Yeah. I felt good about that. Joe Mixon one. Now I wish I went with my Jamar chase one. I did say like the over there, but I ended up going with Kyle Juszczyk and he did not hit that over for receiving yards, but he might know, have live and learn. Jimmy had him open in the end zone and decided not to throw to him. And then he tried to scramble around and throw to him later and it was incomplete. But if I was thinking of you, because if, if he had thrown it to juice on that touchdown, I think juice had one other catch in the game and that would have put him over his, cause it was only 13 and a half yards. I think his receiving total. So if he had those two, I was like, Oh, Michelle would have hit it, but you know, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo screwed it up. All right. There's a bunch of stuff in this game I want to get to. Uh, what is your number one most confident prop this week? I'm going to go with Russell Gage. He's the wide receiver for the Falcons. He's one of my favorite flex plays this week for fantasy. Uh, but they put his over for receiving yards at 56 and a half. And then his over for receptions at 4.5. Now, if he's going to get his 56, 56 and a half receiving yards, he's going to need five receptions. So I like taking those both because he's not like a deep receiver type guy. Like he gets a bunch of short passes. But that's kind of what I love about him this week because the 49ers did figure out let's put pressure on the quarterback like crazy. So he doesn't have time to throw deep. Like that's how they tried to keep Jamar chase and T Higgins from going off against them as the game went on. It didn't work as well, but it was working in the first half. So I think they're going to try that same thing because the weapons for the Falcons are not like the weapons for the Bengals. So I think they're going to try to do a lot of quick passes to Russell gauge and gauges over their last six games. Gage has 44 targets. He leads the Falcons. He has 33 receptions. He leads the Falcons by a ton. He has 33. He's number one on the Falcons. Kyle Pitts is second with 21. And then he leads them with 369 receiving yards. So 
he's been their top dude for Matt Ryan because he has nobody else. He had to find someone. <laughs> and now it, it's Russell Gage. And we, we saw last week, like that secondary can't stop anybody. I know they get Dante Johnson back now, but that, that doesn't really matter to me. I feel bad for him personally. Um, rest in peace to his mother. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not worried about him stopping these wide receivers out there. So I, I feel good here about Gage getting his over in both receiving yards and receptions. It is crazy that it's like, okay, Gage is their target. Let's put our number one cornerback on him. Oh, it's it's Josh Norman. Norman, yeah. <laughs> like, what are the 49ers going to – There's, I just don't see any way in hell – unless, like, the 49ers pass rush is so good that Matt Ryan just literally cannot throw, I don't know how Russell Gage doesn't hit this over, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, he hit, he hit the over the last three weeks, 62, 164 yards in those three games. And last week he was playing against a really good pass defense in Carolina. Uh, he had 64 yards. So I, I think if he can do it against them, he can definitely do it against the 49ers. Okay, I'm going to go with one that I like in this one. And I don't know that it's going to win me too many friends among the 49ers fans. But I'm going under on Debo Samuel's receiving yards. It's 46 and a half. And they just don't seem like they're really interested in using him as a wide receiver. And we know he can do it. He's got over a thousand yards. I don't know if maybe the calf is still not quite right. So they kind of wanted to limit him, but it just seemed like they were totally satisfied to just throw him in the backfield last week. I think he had one catch on the game. And I just think that for whatever reason, they don't find the value in Debo for you know, acting strictly as a wide receiver, one target last week, one catch the week, the last time he played against Minnesota, one catch against Jacksonville. So he hasn't even had multiple catches in a game in a month. So I have no faith that he's going to go over 46 and a half. Now, the troubling thing is he could go over that in one play, but I just, I don't like what I'm seeing from the 49ers with how they're using him. And I think that's going to continue in this one. Yeah, I couldn't bet the over with him just because of how they're using him. Like, how can you feel confident about that? I do think if they, you know, he's out there running routes and he should have over that. Now, A.J. Terrell for the the Falcons is one of the best cornerbacks in the league somehow this year. He was terrible his rookie season, second year, like literally top three corner in the league. Uh, but so if he's on Debo, then yeah he might be able to control him, but then the rest of the Falcon secondary is so bad. So if they can get Debo in space, like he's going to have plenty of room to work. Uh, so that's the only thing that worries me. I wouldn't really want to touch it either way, but yeah, I wouldn't feel good about taking the over either though. So I can't really hate you for wanting the under. And the other thing with Debo is if they do put him on the ground and he hits some big plays, he could score from anywhere on the field. So he might score a long touchdown, that would prevent him from getting opportunities to catch the ball because he does it all in one play as a runner. So I feel pretty confident in Debo under. Uh, do you have anything else that you like this week? Yeah, I like the two tight ends. I like Kyle Pitts going over 45 and a half receiving yards. Um, he has, you know, we we talked about that a little bit with Kyle Pitts that he had those two monster weeks and he hasn't been doing as much, but he still hit the over in each of the last two weeks. He had 61 yards and 48 yards. Uh, CJ Uzuma last week for the Bengals, he put up 56 yards against the 49ers. They're out. Um, Aziz Alshire. Oh goodness. I probably butchered that. Alshire. Shire. Yeah, I tried. I looked up the pronunciation and everything. Don't worry. Guys, the play-by-play announcers don't know either. It drives me nuts. 
sorry, Aziz Al Shire. I'll know it from now on. I even looked it up, uh, but <laughs> he's out and he's one of their best coverage linebackers as well. It's the whole thing again with just the way the 49ers are playing defense right now with, with them blitzing so much and trying to get pressure on the quarterback. I just think the short passes, they're going to go to gauge. They're going to go to pits and they're going to add up for pits. And, you know, watching pits out there, like he is open. Um, he's doing his thing. Defenses are trying to like double cover him, but I don't know if the 49ers are going to have that opportunity to try to like, who are they? You know, who are they putting on him? I don't really know. So I, I like Kyle Pitts over 45 and a half. I think it'll be an interesting matchup with Warner and, and how they kind of choose to deploy him against them. Um, the other thing I'm a little worried about with the Niners is I feel like they are very aware that they have to play the Titans on Thursday, the 23rd. Like I think that's part of the reason they're keeping Elijah Mitchell out this week. I think that they they're trying to do their best because they know it's such a tight turnaround. But I also think it's like, hey, you're not really good enough to kind of just be like, well, we don't really need everybody against the Falcons. So I wonder, you know, I think uh, this game is more important than the Titans game. Yeah, I think you're this right. This conference game is way more important. And then if the Falcons beat, and then they have the head to have head to head tiebreaker. That's like if you lose to the Titans, it's really not that big of a deal if you win this game. Right. That's what I said going into last week. I said, even if, you know, I'd like to beat Cincinnati, but the more important games for the 49ers are the NFC games because it's the yeah. second tiebreaker after head to head. Um, so we'll see. The other prop I want to talk about is the Cordero Patterson. So his rushing yards over is 48 and a half. His receiving yards over is 27 and a half. The easy talking point is this game is comparing Cordero Patterson to Debo oh, Samuel. Yeah. And they both are, you know, they run and they catch and they do all these things. I don't know. I can't see Cordero Patterson. To me, if he's going to affect the game, it's going to be on a kick return. I can't see Kyle Shanahan going into this game and letting the only real threat Atlanta has on offense do any sort of significant damage. I don't know what to say about that. Because it's not like, oh, it's not like we haven't seen offensive players do damage on the 49ers, right? It's like Justin Jefferson, stop him. And they didn't really Cooper cup, stop him. Like you, you know, these players who to stop and they, they couldn't Patterson's been really good as of just this entire season. Um, they have been using him as a running back more kind of, it's like exactly like Debo, like Patterson was doing a lot of damage as a receiver in the first half of the year. And now all of a sudden he's like the in between the tackles kind of running back. The only thing is the 49ers have been very good at stopping the run lately, but also, he just went up against Tampa Bay, who's one of the best rush defenses, and he put up 78 rushing yards. He went up against Carolina, who's just a pretty good defense overall, put up 58 rushing yards. He's not being used as a receiver, so like I wouldn't want to bet his over with receiving yards, even though that's kind of where the 49ers are struggling. But they're giving him 16 carries, 13 carries, 16 carries. It's like, and he's just one of those backs that can just somehow do it. It's kind of like Debo. You're not worried about him going up against a hard rushing defense it's just like it's different than a typical running back he's awesome with the ball they both are but cordero patterson is crazy with the ball in his hands it's so good um yeah. i don't know i that was a really nice way of you being like hey rob you're full of crap by the way don't think i didn't notice no. that that's no, fine no, no, no. feel free to say it that's <laughs> the listeners are just, thinking it too i mean you have other you know give some respect to kyle pitts 
And Russell Gage is okay. I mean, he, he's like an okay wide receiver three on most teams, <laughs> but he's, a, he's an okay wide receiver. You have other people you have to worry about a little bit. So I still think it's just really hard to like game plan against Patterson because he's just used all over the place and you never know where he's going to line up. So I, I think it's a little bit different for him. They, I was going, I was thinking about taking the under for Patterson and rushing yards, but they only put it at 48 and a half. That's low. I also don't want to take the over because the 49ers have been good stopping the run, but that's a, that's a low over under. You're right. It is pretty low. And maybe they think that he'll do, well, I was going to say, maybe they think he'll do his damage as a receiver, but the receiving yardage total is even lower. So there you go. I just, I don't know. I, I don't like Patterson in this one. I think that his main contribution will be as a kick returner in the game. I think that this could be another good Brandon Ayuk game. I think that, they're really like warming up to him before it was like, he's in the doghouse. Then it was kind of like, well, he's neutral and we kind of need him. And now he's made a couple big plays. And I think they're like, Hey, this, this guy's pretty good. Maybe we should get him the ball more. I think that Kyle now is willing to feature him. And I think he could have a good game in this one. He's so freaking good after the catch. I mean, that last touchdown to win the game in overtime what he did after the catch was incredible and it's like this is what i've been screaming all year like please use him more because he is like he can be a superstar with the ball in his hands i i just love that he got that game winning touchdown because you know Depot could have done that same thing don't get me wrong but it's just so fun for Ayuk, who's been you know in the doghouse to start the year to have that type of moment and yeah, his over under is only 52 and a half. I do not mind taking that over at all. Because again, if AJ Terrell is going to focus on stopping Debo, then Ayuk should have plenty of space to work against. I don't even know how to say his name either, but Moreau, I don't know how to say Fabian Moreau, the other cornerback for sure. the Falcons. He's just not good whatsoever. Uh, so Ayuk should have plenty of room to, you know, get that ball and create amazing plays after the catch and you're right that final play the thing that's so encouraging about it is it's it's him it's drawn up for him he he doesn't he crosses the field but he doesn't go past the line of scrimmage to do it they purposely run him behind the line of scrimmage so that no one can get in his way and then it's it's a three-yard throw for for jimmy garoppolo they wanted the ball to get in Ayuk's hands and let him make a play after the catch. Now, Kyle himself said after the game, he didn't think that that Ayuk was going to score because he probably didn't figure that you could jump from the five-yard line and somehow hover over the sideline and get the ball into <laughs> the end zone. But like that is, those are the types of things that he is capable of. So I don't know. Did you I think, think his first touchdown was a touchdown? Because I did. Which one? The, the one they called back. So it oh, was right. a touchdown, they called it back. I felt like... That was too hard to overturn since you called it a touchdown on the, the on the actual play. You called it a touchdown. There was not enough there for me to overturn. Maybe I'm wrong. I was convinced in live action that he scored because I feel like you almost never see the receiver not get his foot down. These guys are so good at it. They go, they give you the old dead leg, they call it, where basically they tell you to just go limp and just let your legs kind of go limp and that'll sneak them in. Um, but as soon as I saw the replay, I was like, oh, I... I don't know about that one. I am no, a little, you didn't think so? I didn't think so. I was okay. a little bummed that they called Ayuk short of the goal line when he scored the game winner because he didn't get that, like, rush of, like, yeah, he's it. You know, like, it was kind of yeah. like, oh, he's short. And then they reviewed it, and then the game was just over. So you kind of, like, you lost that that 
feeling of the real walk-off win. You didn't have Travis Kelsey walk-off win touchdown right. vibe like last night. By the way, Chargers, feel free to take a proper angle when tackling. Like Kelsey didn't even make any moves and he got into the end zone. The Chargers were just falling all over themselves. Listen, I needed Kelsey to have a great game, and he did. So uh, I, I loved every part of it. But speaking of Travis Kelsey, I was going to say George Kittle, they have his over at 69 and a half receiving yards. It's probably that low because they're, you know, just like you, worried about the injury. But George Kittle's saying it's just soreness, and he's fine for Sunday. I'm going to trust the player, and I, I'm going to just ride on along with his hot streak right now, and I'm going to still take the over for him. Deion Ooh. Jones, a linebacker for the Falcons, is giving up the second most receiving yards among all linebackers in the NFL. And then their starting safety, Eric Harris, is out for this game. So I'm really liking George Kittle because of A.J. Terrell. Like I said, the only good secondary is focusing in on stopping Debo or Ayuk. They're going to need to use George Kittle. There's no reason not to. I mean, you've seen how well it's been working. Like, keep using him in that way. I don't expect him to have another 150, another 180-yard game, <laughs> but I think he can put up 70 receiving yards. Uh, Kyle Shanahan went on KMBR on Friday and said that Kittle is sore, but he expects him to play in this game. He expects him to play in the Tennessee game, which I thought was a little weird because, like, you don't know what that the hell is going to happen. But yeah. uh, I think what he meant was, like, if he stays how he's feeling right now, he'll be good to play against Tennessee. I am loving the fact that they are featuring him as a wide receiver. I have been saying for many, many weeks that blocking is the second best thing that George Kittle does. He's amazing in the open field. I love to see him featured. He's just so exciting with the ball in his hands because you don't know if he's going to juke somebody or truck somebody or probably both. And oh, by the way, usually those throws are safe and reliable for Jimmy Garoppolo, which is obviously something the 49ers need. Yeah, and I don't think this is a type of defense the Falcons have that you have to worry about them getting to Jimmy Garoppolo all that often where you're going to have to keep George Kittle in the block. So I think you're going to be just fine getting him out there, running his routes. And honestly, is it that much worse for his body to be getting these targets instead of blocking? Like, I don't really know how it affects your body. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong there. But I feel like either way, you're putting damage on your body, so... Let him get out there in the space. Maybe tell him instead of being a psychopath after the catch, <laughs> it's okay to get down. Like, let's save your body a little bit. We're so grateful for everything you do. But before you get, you know, killed out there, sometimes you're allowed to just go down. That's something that Kyle Posey has talked about on his show, The Shanna Plan, on Wednesdays. He's mentioned it all year that, like, Kittle's play style leads him to be so banged up all the time because, like you said, he, he seeks out contact. That'll be an interesting little thing to keep an eye on. If he starts doing that, then you know he is not totally healthy because that is something I've never seen him do. And you, but you tell... almost want him to do it. You want him to do it because you want, even if that means he's not fully healthy, he's trying to get his body back healthy. And if he goes down, I'm sorry, like there's no chance of winning a playoff game. I just like George Kittle's so important to this team. And you could tell. In the Cincinnati game, I don't know if you watched this. I'm like constantly looking out for players getting hurt because I'm just traumatized by it. Jimmy <laughs> was limping at one point in that game. And Kittle, when he would get up off the turf, I always say it's like my 21-month-old daughter. Like he kind of got up by the way a toddler gets up. Like you stick your butt in the air. You don't really bend your knees too much. And he kind of like pushed up with his hands off the turf. Like he was not getting up the way a normal human gets up when everything is feeling good. And he did it multiple times. And he talked about 
how the turf there in Cincinnati, apparently, I don't know, it's it's hard. It, it, it contributed to him being so sore. Yeah, no, I definitely did see that. I mean, he was like, he was struggling out there. Don't get me wrong, but he's such a player. Like he's such a fighter. Like he's not going to come out of that game unless he literally can't go. So that's why I'm not worried about him. And speaking of, I was looked up the Falcons quarterback pressure rate just to see like, will George Kittle need to be in there maybe to help him out? 19.4% quarterback pressure rate, the lowest in the NFL by 3%. Oof, they are struggling to get any pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. So they should not need George Kittle to be much of a blocker in this game. Well, thank God, because hopefully that means Jimmy Garoppolo won't do anything stupid. By the way, nine catches, 124 yards for Kittle after halftime, including three grabs in overtime for 38 yards. The dude is just, he's a monster. All right, so. That's a, that is a concern, though, because if they do beat the Falcons up fast, then they might not need Kittle, and then they can give them some more rest. But. I'm not going to get ahead of myself that much. It's it's hard to think about game scripts because anytime you think you know a game script, it never goes that way. So I don't like to think of all that stuff. That's the ideal, right? That's That would be perfect for the 49ers. Build up a huge lead by like the third quarter. Then you can take everybody out for the fourth quarter. Let Trey Lance get in there and run around and do all sorts of crap. Take Kittle out. Take Debo out. That would be ideal on so many levels. I doubt that Kyle Shanahan is ever going to do that because he's got to be up by 50 before he takes anybody out of the game. But uh, we will see. Okay, so to recap, we have Gage over 56 and a half yards and over four and a half catches. Kyle Pitts over 45 and a half yards. George Kittle over 69 and a half yards. And Debo, this was me, not you. I want to separate you from this in case it goes badly. Uh, Debo under 46 and a half receiving yards. Yes, and How then George Kittle over 69 and a half receiving yards. We, we're doing a fourth one. How confident are you? In Devo? In all of these. One to ten. How do you feel? Right um, now? I feel confident in Russell Gage. And my one I'm most nervous about is Kyle Pitts. And he does have three and a half receptions. I'm thinking here, like, do I feel better about three and a half receptions over or 45 and a half receiving yards? Um, I mean if he's going to get 45 and a half receiving yards, likely he gets the four receptions, but he is one of those guys that can get the deeper target. I'm going to stick with Kyle Pitts, 45 and a half receiving yards. I, I feel confident. He should I'm get, he should get like six or seven targets every week. There should, if he only has four or five catches in this game, like that's a failure. If you're the Falcons, who the hell else are you throwing it to feed this kid? It's just that defense has realized they have no one else. So they're yeah. just like, bracketing him almost but i just don't know if the secondary for the 49ers are going to be able to do that well <laughs> like i just i'm not confident in them uh so but can we talk about nick bosa really quick damn always damn he is a star <laughs> he's right there in the running for defensive player of the year i mean you gotta beat out tj watt uh mika parsons micah parsons sorry i have a dog named mika and every uh... single time i say micah parsons i say mika um, by the way, Mika's just a better name. <laughs> so maybe you should Bias. think about Bias a little bit. Uh, Micah Parsons. And then who else is there that he has to fight against? Miles Garrett, maybe. Yeah. TJ Watts better than Miles Garrett. Oh, see, look at that. There's that Steelers love coming through. No, <laughs> Bosa's a freak. 14 sacks on the season, seven sacks from each side, which no one else can claim. He's yeah. a wrecking ball. And I believe half of his sacks have come in the fourth quarter or overtime. So he is not just getting a sack 
in like the first quarter and then kind of coasting for the rest of the game. Like, oh, okay, I did my job in clutch moments, including in overtime on third down with the Bengals in the red zone last week. It was Bosa that stopped Joe Burrow. He is so clutch. And uh, it's one of the best seasons we've ever seen from any 49ers player. He has a real chance to break Alden Smith's single season record for the Niners, which is 19 and a half sacks. He said he knows the record and he said he (laughs) knows that he can get it, which I love to hear. Go get it, Nick. He needs six sacks in the last four games. Yep. I'm so happy. He's balling out this year. Exactly what the 49ers defense needed him. Like imagine not having Nick Bosa this year would have been really, really ugly. He's like, he really saves them. It's kind of just like the Steelers, TJ Watt, without him, the Steelers defense are, they're already garbage, but they would be (laughs) just the worst. Oh, you're poor Steelers. You know what? Just get through this year. Look, things that end never end well. Long-term relationships, when they end, it's just ugly. And that's what's happening with Ben Roethlisberger right now. It's the end. It's not great. But you know what? You'll get another quarterback, I assume, next year. There was that report that Ben has already been telling people that this is his last year. So just get through it. It's not going to be pleasant, but that's okay. If you get a new quarterback next year and things are good, then it'll be worth it. The thing is, there are no quarterbacks unless they somehow get Rodgers or Russell Wilson. You can have James Garoppolo for a third round pick. (laughs) I don't want to give a third round pick for him. Uh, I actually I wouldn't mind Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's not that's not a long time option here. True. he is thirty. That's just a, so no, thank you. It's not even about his age. It's just like no, 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 thank you. <laughs> I do think the Steelers beat the Titans this week. I have a pretty good feeling about it. Could, can you beat them up, please, so that when the 49ers play them on Thursday, see if we can help each other. When the 49ers play them on Thursday, I want them to be just physically devastated. I mean, they already don't have Derrick Henry. I guess they could have AJ Brown back for y'all next week, which stinks. And Julio has a history of whooping up on the Niners, too. Remember, when the Falcons beat the Niners in 2019, yes. it was Julio that scored the game-winning touchdown because uh, Tart, I believe, hit him low. See, I actually have a theory on this. Tart hits Julio Jones low in that game, right at the goal line. And because Julio is a giant and Tart hits him low, he's able to bend backwards into the end zone to score the winning touchdown. When they played Seattle in Week 17 that year, Greenlaw hits the Seattle receiver high. So he can't bend over backwards and go in the end zone. That's why Greenlaw was able to stop the player, whereas Tart wasn't because of where he hit them. And I think my theory... Or maybe it was also the player they were playing against a little bit. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Julio Jones is a little bit different than, uh, what's his name, Hollister? Jacob Hollister yeah, well, was... Don't a- <laughs> ruin my theory. My theory okay. is that they learned from the Julio play, and so that okay. they knew to go high on Hollister and keep him out of the end zone. That's my story, yeah. and I'm sticking to it. Julio Jones did record 134 of Matt Ryan's 210 passing yards. That's all <laughs> Ryan had. And then George Kittle in that same game recorded 134, the exact same number as Julio Jones, of Garoppolo's 200 passing yards. That's so it was insane. like those were the only two players that caught balls in that entire game. Luckily, one of those guys is still on the 49ers, and Julio Jones is long gone from Atlanta. Correct. So. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. We want to remind you after the game, go ahead to the Niners Nation YouTube page, Twitter page, Facebook page. We will be doing the instant reaction podcast. Hopefully we will be celebrating and not commiserating after a loss. 
but it's a really fun show. It's about an hour long. We take your questions, your comments. It's very interactive, but please, please join us. Thousands of you have every single week, and we are so, so grateful for that. Please keep your ratings coming, your reviews. It's uh, It's been a hell of a year for Niners Nation. Like I said, we went over a million downloads in November, and we're going to do even bigger and better things in 2022. Michelle, I want to thank you because you are the source of all the new good reviews that we have gotten lately. Everybody has been mentioning you. They've been very happy with you. So thank you for that. They're not happy with my hey, hey. But yeah, everyone else seems to. That was one. It seems to be all right. No one compared you to a fungus. No one said you had a fat voice. And (laughs) no one said you looked like a dork, which someone told me recently when they watched the instant reacts that I look like a dork. They were 100% accurate, but it still hurts. (laughs) No, you do not. You do not look like a dork. Don't let any of these trolls get in your mind. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you on Sunday. Bye, y'all.